and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Each week we'll be joined by guests from the financial services world to discuss the most pressing industry issues. I'm Amy Austin, news editor at FT Advisor, and today I will be discussing small pots and the pot for life concept with Kate Smith, head of pensions at Aegon, and Tom Selby, head of retirement policy at AJ Bell. Um, so first things first, welcome to you both and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, so back in July, the DWP said it will work to encourage consolidation to solve the problem of small pension pots. But then Pensions Minister Laura Trott said the longer term solution to this issue would be to move to an Australian style pot for life system, which is where, you know, a member would keep the same pension pot when they move their jobs. So, Kate, maybe we can start with you. Are you an advocate for pot for life method or do you think that consolidation might be better? Um, so I'm a little bit on the fence, but I would lean more to consolidation, a different consolidation model um, rather than pot for life. Um, I think consolidation is more of a natural way of doing things under the auto enrollment proposals just now. Pot for life is an interesting concept, and obviously we're going to be exploring that a bit more. Some people already use that now, but we know not many employers support it. Um, so I'd say I'm more towards consolidation and going down the value for money type route. Sure. And Tom, what about you? Um, so I, I, in, intuitively, I like the idea of people being given more choice. Um, I'd say I'm, I'm sceptical at this stage about some of the practicalities around making pot for life work so as as it stands the government saying that it wants people potentially in the future to be able to um either retain their existing pension scheme or choose a different pension scheme when they when they when they go forward with their with their retirement pot that that kind of makes sense if you can make the practicalities work i think the the challenges around that are, are building the ecosystem that you would need in a way that doesn't push too much cost onto employers we know lots of employers at the moment are struggling um lots of employers will feel that the cost of pension provision is actually quite high and if you're going to load on extra regulation and potentially extra costs onto those employers as well then i think that's that's really really challenging so i i I agree with some of the the problems that some of those who advocate for pot for life have laid out that there is a you know, the, the 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 disconnect between employees and the pension scheme that's chosen on their behalf exists and and in theory pot for life can could help to to address that but i i think there are there are challenges in in delivering it and and i i wouldn't want to see I guess chasing one dream in pot for life distract from important things like pensions dashboards, which still still need to be delivered. Yeah, sure. I mean, the DWP said kind of you know pot follows members that kind of thing risk like situations where a saver would take a pension from a well performing scheme into a poor performing one when they move jobs. Um, Kate, is this kind of you know its main downfall? Do you think? Well, do you know what? Um, that's what we said ten years ago. Um, we were very concerned about that, that that would happen and it would be higher charges and poorly performing, et cetera, et cetera, all of that. But we're actually in a different environment now. Um, workplace pension schemes are really competitive in every way you can think of, the, the really good ones. 
Um, we've also got the value for money framework, which at some time will be implemented, which will get rid of um, the poorly performing schemes. And, you know, I, I'm strong. I'm really passionate about this, that everybody should be able to save in a, a scheme that provides value for money and good retirement outcomes. Um, you know, basically using inertia as much as you can with engagement on top. So in the future, I think portfolios member could work really well because schemes will all be value for money. They'll all be um, rag tested and um, put their results on websites and um, we'll have the dashboard and the dashboard will be able to use some sort of, we'll be able to expand on some sort of finder technology to help with all that portfolios member. But there are issues with it. The biggest issue I've got with about this consolidation type thing is that the cost of transfers at the moment is far too high. So you've got lots of transfers going all around the market. So there's the investment angle as well. But the actual cost of administering transfers is far too high. So that's got to come down. So absolutely nothing touches the side. And it happens really easily with all those protections in place, obviously. So I think portfolio's member is definitely, should definitely be still on the table. So I was really surprised that it seems to be off the table according to Laura Trot. Sure. And kind of, Tom, what do you think with, you know, my thing with Pottsfellows members is people are lazy. So you could have, you know, one workplace pension and if it follows you that you might never, ever change provider because you just think, oh, well, it's there. Do you think that's kind of a problem as well, that people actually might not shop around because it's just there? Yeah, I, th- I think there, so. I, I I I agree to an extent with um with what Kate was saying there. That value for money clearly in modern workplace pensions is much much better than it than it used to be um, in in the past. I'm I'm slightly nervous about suggesting that we're now at the point in time where everyone gets good value for money all yeah. the time and everything works perfectly well. I think everyone knows that the you know, that if you the difference even in five or ten basis points of charges over the over someone's retirement will actually be huge and under automatic enrollment you could be in a 75 basis point scheme or you could be in a, a 30 basis point scheme so actually there there is the the risk of auto consolidation to me still does exist albeit in a pounds in pounds and pence terms not to the extent it would have done you know a long time ago when charges were much much higher but i don't i don't think that's something that you can say is no longer a concern anymore because there's variations in charges and there's also variations in investment performance as well um and i think from both from a a consumer outcomes point of view but also i guess from a the the challenge of of liability if someone is even if they're moved from a pretty low charging scheme to one that's slightly higher charging then if that results in their pot being eroded by thousands of pounds over the course of their lifetimes then who's responsible for that and where does the the liability liability lie so i i I think i I agree with kate to the extent that there are the the problems associated with that aren't what they would have been in the past certainly if you think about 30 years ago to the the difference in in charges and things but I, i don't think it's something that's necessarily we can completely ignore and say every scheme is fine because I don't think I don't think that's the case. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah I would agree. With, I agree with you, Tom. I'm not saying it's the case now for every single scheme because we obviously know it's not. But I'm thinking of when the value for money framework comes in and when it applies to all workplace schemes yeah. and all retail schemes, then we'll be in a much better um, position. And part of all these um, mansion house reforms, a lot awful lot came out on the same day, didn't it? But naturally things should be in an orderly manner. So some things are more important and improve um, member outcomes more than other things. Also, some things um, 
um, will be dependent, some of the delivery framework will depend on other initiatives, such as the dashboard. If we got that delivered, that would help with the small pots as with the value for money stuff. But the critical issue, I think, with the small pots problem is a, a lack of engagement. Mm. Um, that's why we've got small pots. People don't really follow or are interested in their pensions, particularly ones where they're tiny. So um, sort of asking people to do more, take more control at this stage, I just don't think it's going to work because this, this is one of my major issues with Pot for Life. You know, who's actually going to choose their Pot for Life? It'll be those people who already know they're engaged and have some sort of research or advisor, you know, available to them. Yeah, and I mean, we're all also like looking at lowering the AE threshold and age and all of that at the moment now, which is only probably going to make the problem that little bit worse because you're going to have you know more people now coming into our enrollment more small pots being made especially if you know while it's good that you know people are going to be encouraged to you know save into a pension at 18 you know at 18 I was doing you know a, a little job you know whereabouts like so I'd have a pension there then into my career then you know all the ones that I'd have during university all of that so are we ever going to sm- like solve this small pots issue is it we're just going to keep like rolling on the longer I, on. I think I think um, it, it slightly depends. So the obvious answer is I don't know. Um, <laughs> the it, it slightly depends on on the definition of, of solved, I suppose. Yeah. So um, there's there is there is an argument to say that if you were to create pension dashboards in the way that they've been envisioned, and you end up with dashboards which show everyone's retirement pots in one place online, does that solve the problem there's lots of pots all over the place no but does it mean that everybody has the option to see where all their pots are and then can make a choice about consolidating them at retirement if that's in their interest then that does put them in that position now then the question is whether or not the the solution is deemed to need to be that everybody automatically has all their pots consolidated in one place for them through inertia or all the rest of it or whether you just give people the tools to know what their pensions are worth and then to be able to make a ideally a simpler decision as possible to consolidate them with the provider that they want to that they want to consolidate with so it's uh, i think yeah it's a question i guess of degrees of how far you want to go with that reform um and 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 the timescales that you're looking at as well i think dashboards are you know Im- imminently deliverable a lot of a lot of the hard work's already been done um when you're talking about you know pop for life for example creating a whole new piece of architecture yeah. which nobody's decided exactly what it's going to cost or when it be delivered or what the 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 weight of responsibility on employers would be i think i think you're looking at something that would be probably far into the future yeah so do you think maybe then we should well, the government, not me personally, <laughs> the government should kind of um, look at dashboards first then because they've pushed them back yet again. So yeah. should yeah. we do that first and then maybe revisit this? Yeah, it's, it's quite, a, I, I think the whole process is quite, frustrating it yeah. feels like we, we you know some you know the the idea of potfellows member for example was first discussed uh, i think it was back in 2010 mm. 2012 something like that and we've kind yeah. of gone on this circular route back to that mm. again and it, I, I was thinking about it this morning actually um, and it's obviously a t- complete to a completely different scale and it's a completely different issue but we've we've seen recently the you know the government had hs2 this mm. huge infrastructure project that lots of people expected to happen that lots of people relied on long-term government thinking to make happen and made decisions around and we've just seen the last leg of that be cancelled now whatever your politics that's not great for investor confidence in long-term uk projects now 
in pensions, the dashboards are as close as we've probably got to something along those lines. It's something that generally, I think, has consensus that there's been lots of goodwill involved in trying to build, you know, the ABI and ABI members. We're not an ABI member, but ABI members have played a, a central role in building, you know, the, yeah. the rules around that. Lots of um, money spent on it, lots of human capital spent in building that up as well. And so I think making sure that that project goes through to fruition is actually incredibly important not just because i think it would be a good thing for people because it gives them better information but also in uh, when the trust between industry and government in working together on long-term projects i think is really really important yeah yeah kate do you have anything to add there well, I absolutely agree with what Tom's just said there. And I am a little bit concerned because at the Labour Party conference yesterday, um, I think it was Rachel Reeve said that they would review all the major government projects. And they're like, really, immediately thinking, oh my God, dashboard, don't pull it off again. Please deliver this. Because we actually need this now, don't we? Because um, lots of the other policy changes are sort of dependent on this. So we need it. Consumers need it. We need to start talking about it and get them to use it. We also, as Tom said, may, may need to make it as simple as possible, not only to access it, but to understand the data. And later on, provided we've got all the protections in place to allow people to consolidate their pensions much, much easier if that's the right thing for them. So, yeah, I'm, you know, if, I'm definitely believe in the dashboard. I've been a long-time supporter of it. Yeah, definitely. I do, I do, I do wonder if um, the government and i appreciate we're at a certain stage in the political cycle now where there's a desire to announce lots of new stuff but focusing on one thing at a time for a you know department like the dwp when it comes to pensions building pension stuff um to me would seem quite sensible to say we're going to build pensions dashboards oh and we're also going to build this or commission this whole new consolidator to be built at the same time and then manage those two projects simultaneously um you know in an ideal world that could be made to work i think you know history tells us that generally governments can struggle when it comes to building big things um and it's uh, you know there's a lot of moving parts there and actually focusing on one thing at a time where you can to me would seem like a much more sensible way to go about things yeah and do you think there's kind of an argument there for you know with this whole consolidation stuff that maybe it is just you know schemes and advisors and that and, and like employers kind of getting together and maybe just you know having a workplace thing and being like do you know what this is how you consolidate a pension and this is how easy it can possibly be. Because I feel like a lot of people, if you went to, you know, the average Joe on the street and said, do you know how to consolidate mm. your pension? Like, they actually wouldn't have any idea what you're talking about, where it's actually pretty simple thing to kind of yeah. do and look at. Yeah. And that I mean, could po- solve the problem, really. Yeah, I mean, po- po- yeah, possibly outside the FT's offices, there might be yeah. one or two who know that. Yeah. I, I, suspect the, uh, I suspect the average person would look at you blankly with a little yeah. bit of dribble running out of the mouth if you, uh, if, you, if you mentioned pension consolidation to them. Um, so, yes, I think I, you know, engagement is the best way to solve this you know any of those problems around you know moving people from high quality schemes low quality scheme disappear if somebody makes an active choice to do that i think everybody in an ideal world would like to see more people making better informed active choices i think it's why the you know, the, the fca and the treasury's work on the advice guidance boundary review is really important um i think at a broader level ultimately we're in a world now where the majority of people keep their money invested through drawdown in retirement. So whether engagement happens 
in your 20s or your 30s, whether it happens at the point of consolidation or whether it happens at the point where you're turning your pot of money into an income, we do need people to engage at some point in time. Inertia has been, inertia has been an incredibly successful tool in getting more people saving something yeah. for retirement. But I, I fundamentally believe that, that you, you can't keep relying on inertia yeah. into retirement if the, the majority of people are going to keep their money invested and take a flexible income through drawdown because it just it just doesn't work so yeah. the question is the extent to which you try to get people engaged how early you do it and how much you keep using you know, inertia to help people consolidate pots and build pensions and and all the rest of it and i think yeah. you know that's one of the one of the big challenges that everyone's looking at at the moment yeah and what do you think kate because i mean I know if someone kind of sat me down and was like, this is why you should move your small pot because, you know, mm. it's going to be eaten alive by fees, for example. If someone said that, then I'd be like, oh, my God, move it now, quick, you know, get it out of the way. Um, do you think that, you know, showing people may be a good method? Yeah, I think I think it's all about making the process easier because um, we know through pensions awareness um, week, month, um, that this is almost the number one question is how do I bring my pension pots together or how do I find them? Similar sort of question. Um, so people are interested in this. And obviously this is the engaged, semi-engaged people who are aware that they've got more than one pension, but they don't want it lost somewhere in the ether. You know, they want to bring it together. But how do I do it? And I do think there's an awful lot of work that needs to be done to make the whole process easier and make the costs um, more efficient for providers as well and to allow providers, uh, you know, to give members that support. So it's changing systems, processes, help helpful uh, guidance um, and use an advisor when there's big pension pots with very complicated structures. But also, you know, it's also um, about making sure that people make the right decisions for them. You know, one, one thing I'm really worried about is that people just um, move their money into higher charges schemes. Um, it's sort of informed because they're doing it themselves, but they don't actually understand they've moved from a low charge in, say, workplace scheme into a higher charge type retail type scheme. Um, which hasn't necessarily offered the wider range of investment options, which so it's not necessarily a SIP type thing or anything like that. Um, and so people are, don't have the awareness of what actually to look out for or what benefits might be lost. You know, we've got all that complication to do or the normal minimum pension age, which we don't want to talk about today. <laughs> but it's all of that, you know, so it's hugely, hugely complicated. So, but I think providers need to be given the tools to actually help the members more. So this is where the FCA's, you know, review of the advice and guidance boundary could really help there. I think it would be really pivotal, really a game changer in the workplace market, you know. Sure. Yeah, and no, I think, you know, I think we can't keep coming back to it, but I think the main thing here might be, you know, timing because we've got so much going on, like, you know, the FCA's doing its thing, the DWP's doing its thing, you know, government's doing another thing as well you know so it's so many different things um tom if you could you know not necessarily like, put them in an order but where do you what do you think you know should come first because you know we keep talking about small pots and i feel like we've been talking about it for years but is it like is it the most important thing right now that needs to be done or are there other things you know maybe we could take a backseat on this for a little bit okay I, well I, so I, th I think a lot of this stuff is reasonably long term yeah and so I, i've always as long as as long as it gets done i'm yeah. reasonably 
relaxed about timings. Having having said that, you know the dashboard, you know the dashboards were I think were first supposed to be introduced in 2019, and yeah. we're now talking about 2026. So perhaps we need, I need to be a little bit a little bit less relaxed about timings. I think I think the most important thing with dashboards is that they are built in a way that works where there's any you know any risk of it being infiltrated by fraudsters or yeah. the, the information people being given is wrong is totally removed. There's absolutely no point in rushing something to launch and then it not working properly or or people's confidence in it being dented so i think that's the most important thing i think yeah i guess expanding automatic enrollment um in terms of getting uh contribution rates up is probably the most important thing yeah. but given you know where we are with inflation and all the rest of it i think there's a there's a real a real important decision for government to make in terms of the timing of doing that and i think we're still waiting for confirmation on when we're going to move from eight percent of band earnings mm. to eight percent of total earnings but I, I think i'd say that's the higher highest priority thing but I, it, when to do it is the is the challenge yeah and what about you kate well yeah i've thought about this a lot so i think that's <laughs> Definitely by 26. Hopefully before that, you know, with all us, all our schemes providers joining up, um, we're not totally sure when members will have access to that. Um, but along the way, auto enrolment definitely 2017 reforms. I think they should be implemented by 2025, whether it's April or October. I don't really care. Um, but also start those conversations about auto enrolment versus two 2.0 now. Um, because we know that policy takes years and years to implement, and I don't expect that to be implemented till 2030 at the earliest, but start the conversations. But also progress with value for money alongside. There's still a lot of stuff to be done before anything can be implemented. Um, so, and right at the very end of that, small pots, because as I said earlier, some of these initiatives will actually help dealing with small pots. Others will bring more in, you know, expansion of water enrollments, bound to bring in more small pots. Um so I think it's that really look at what actually is going to make the biggest difference to retirement outcomes first. And obviously that's auto enrollment is number one. And then you've got the tools around it, dashboard value for money, um, which will help um, better retirement out outcomes as well. Brilliant. Well, now I guess we just hope that there's no clangor in the autumn statement <laughs> that puts yeah. all of this <laughs> out of joint. <laughs> well, Kate, Tom, thank you so much for joining us this week. Tune in next week where we'll discuss other goings on in the industry. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.